2: Across the UK, online and
3: on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Fake Her Others on Talk Sport 2. All the action, excitement, and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Clean off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers.
4: Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area.
3: World beating, big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored. Women's Football Weekly with Faker others on TalkSport 2.
0: Hello, hello, welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Hege Risa has unveiled her Team GB squad for Tokyo. and There's certainly some surprises. This has been uh, the hardest decision I ever made. For the players that did make the cut for the 18-player roster, it's a dream come true. You
5: know, to go to an Olympics is... Unbelievable, it's, it's a dream, you know.
3: 2012 I watched it, 2016 I also watched it,
0: and now I can be a part of it in 2021. And this is the place to be as well because we're going to be drawing the Women's FA Cup quarter final ties live on air and on Talk Sports YouTube channel at 12 Towards Spence, it's deflected, but <laughs> a <laughs> can't keep it out, and Chelsea are home and dry now. Oh. Emma Hayside booking their place in the quarter-finals of the FA Cup. All that plus we'll hear from Angels City FC's new sporting director, Eni Luko, and chat Euro 2022. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show.
6: Women's Football Weekly with Fay Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women, and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2.
0: Hello team, how are we? This is our last show of the season. What a show it is as well. The season has been fantastic. This show, hopefully, we're going to go out with a bang. Leanne Sanderson, former England and Arsenal defender and four-time winner of the Women's FA Cup, is with us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for the draw. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to see you face to face. It's been quite a while since we've been in the same studio together. I'm reckoning about 15 months.
7: Yeah, it's been a while, Faye. It really has. But it was great to see your face when I walked in and sports studios today as always. Oh, brilliant. Listen, I want to talk to you about this Team GB squad because it was announced. Announced, of course on
0: Thursday I was lucky enough to go to the uh, Birmingham Botanical Gardens yesterday and speak to a number of the players who are very excited about being included but let's go through the team just in case you haven't seen it yet, of course 18 players from the home nations and as you would expect predominantly uh, England players involved in this but three uh, additional players from Scotland and from Wales, so we'll start off goalkeeper wise, Karen Bardsley was a surprise inclusion for many after her uh, move over to OL Reign. Um, Ellie Roebuck of course you would expect to be in there but of course she has been injured uh, the last couple of games of, of the season she was wearing a boot yesterday like a little um, ankle strapping having come out of the boot actually and said she's well on on course for, for being fine and fit in time for the Olympics uh, Millie Bright of Chelsea, Lucy Bronze of course, Rachel Daly Steph Horton, Demi Stokes and Leah w- Williamson make up the defence in midfield the first ever Wales woman to be included in Team GB squad in Sophie Ingle of Chelsea. Uh, Kim Little joins her as well, her second Olympic Games. Jill Scott, also her second Olympic Games. Kira Walsh, Caroline Weir of Scotland too. Lauren Hemp is going to be the youngest player ever to feature for for Team GB. Um, She's one of the forwards included as is Fran Kirby, Nikita Paris, Georgia Stanway and Ellen White makes that up. In terms of the reserve players, you've got Sandy McKeever, Lossa Moy. Neve Charles and Ella Toon. Um, so, what do you think about that, Leanne, first and foremost?
7: Yeah, I mean, I was really, you know, excited to see. I think people often question, you know, there's got a, obviously going to be a majority England players that will be picked because they are the better players. But I was happy to see Caroline Weir in there. Sophie Ingle, I think, is one of the best, you know, defensive midfielders in the league. I really do. And I think it's great that Emma Hayes has given her that opportunity at Chelsea to continue to play consistently. So, you know, I think this is a strong squad. I was a little bit surprised that Alex Greenwood wasn't in the squad. Jordan Nobbs I think it's an interesting one because Alex Greenwood's had a really good season you know fantastic left back I really like Alex Greenwood and she's a good person as well so I was a bit surprised about that one but um, well hold your thought on that
0: because let's hear what Hege thoughts were on that uh, the Team GB head coach because she was asked about why Demi Stokes was picked ahead of Alex Greenwood
5: like we we were looking at Demi quite uh, closely, following her and the experience that she had, and and she has played in the three position uh, in a long long time. So for picking Demi, she's do her she's progressing now, and I think. Uh, uh, for the Olympics, she will be more than ready for us to do a, a good job.
0: Brilliant stuff uh, there from Hege Risa. Um Interesting she said that, um, Leanne, because uh, Demi Stokes has been out injured for a long time th- this season, whereas Alex Greenwood, as you said, h- has played a lot. On top of that, um, <sighs> Demi Stokes made a big mistake in the friendly against Canada, having having come back. And it would still be a surprise, even if that is Hege Risa's thinking, not to include Alex Greenwood on the reserve list.
7: Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it's often with the reserve list and players that are on standby, we used to call it when I played for England. You know, often players that call, got called off standby would sometimes come into a Cyprus Cup, for example, and actually go in and start. And you'd be thinking, well, actually the players that are already there, you'd think they're in the original squad, should probably potentially play in those games. But managers have different ways of thinking. Now, somebody like a Jordan Nobbs and a- Alex Greenwood may Maybe they see them as too big of a player to be as a reserve player because maybe they don't see themselves calling upon the reserve list. I don't know, but I think you know the Alex Greenwood one, the Jordan Knobbs one. I know Jordan's had a fair share of injuries this year and stuff like that. But I just think with hegarisa and Rian Wilkinson, I played with Rian Wilkinson in America for a number of years, and they're really you know, Rian's a great person. But I think you know the fact that they're kind of new to the international setup when it comes to England. I think they've almost gone with what their gut instinct is telling them. Mm. You know, this is who I think they genuinely believe can win the tournament. But I think at the same time, I do question, I think every manager is going to pick a team. People are going to question who's being picked and who, why this person isn't being picked. I think, you know, you look at the likes of Jill Scott, had an indifferent season when on loan to Everton. Um, I would have expected Jordan Nobbs to be one of the first names down on the team sheet, you know, regardless of injuries. So Jordan was our vice-captain at England. You know, I'm not quite sure if she's still the vice-capt now, but she Was and she was very good for the team. So and she missed out on the last, uh, you know, World Cup as well due to a hamstring injury. So it's almost like difficult. I'm sure Jordan's really struggling right now, as is Alex. And I know the girls are going to fully behind, be behind the players that are going there. But at the same time, the reserve list is an interesting one because there are a lot of players that I think could have been on that list. But maybe they're looking at not really calling upon it because if a player does get injured, you'd like to think that if Demi Stokes, God forbid, ever got injured, I don't want her to get injured. You'd think they'd call Alex Greenwood into the lineup Mm. because, but again managers have different preferences of, of what they prefer and maybe they just think this is the best team that can go there but i do think jordan and Alex should have been in the team
0: well i spoke to leah williamson about jordan knobs and how she was feeling we'll hear that coming up shortly um because i think this is the this is the interesting thing when you speak to to the england players it's such a night a, a nice tight-knit squad they obviously play against each other if they're not on the on the same teams in the same clubs and and genuinely the girls who have been selected have really struggled with being proud to be selected themselves and delighted to get the opportunity but really sad for for those who've been left out and when you look at the reserve list it's a very young list yeah and I wonder whether it's experience of tournaments looking ahead to the future bearing in mind we've got the euros coming up next year whether that's why.
7: Potentially, I mean, I would have expected Carly Telford to maybe be in amongst there as well. I think, but she's then been... she's
0: not featured barely at all yeah. for Chelsea this year. So that know. that would be as a, as a bigger surprise, perhaps, as, yeah. as Karen Barsley. And I just wonder whether Karen got the nod purely because she knows Ellie Roebuck from their time at Manchester City together. Yeah, that's a and great has shout. Almost mentored her a little bit, and, yeah. and perhaps that's why Karen's going.
7: Yeah, it's a difficult one because you know I have played with Carly since we were younger, and I feel like she's got nowhere near as many caps for England as she should have. Yeah. You know. And and it's disappointing because I think she's a great teammate. You know, she often supports the team. It's not an easy role being like the second or third choice goalkeeper. I'm sure it isn't easy, but I feel for the players that are not there. But I do think that there comes a point where you have to almost get on with it. You know, you can't keep dwelling on the players that are not there. We have to focus on the people that are at some point. And um, hopefully this is the team that can go there and win the tournament, you know, because I think they picked a team that they believe that they can. We have a strong enough team. You know, we have quality players in there and I'm just happy that Kim Little's going, Sophie Ingle, Caroline Weir, you know, because they are top, top players and it's great to see them get the recognition that they deserve. I think if this tournament, you know, was four years ago, I think Jess Fishlock would have been in amongst it as well because, you know, I still think Jess is one of the, you know, most annoying players to play against, the kind of player that you want on your team you don't want to play against. Mm. You know, she's a fantastic player, so, you know, I'm sure she's quite disappointed to not be playing as well.
0: Yeah, well, let's find out what Hege Risa, uh, the Team GB head coach, thought about the inclusion of Caroline. Karen Bardsley, and why she was in there. Because, of course, Karen's been injured for for a long time. She was injured at the, at the World Cup in 2019 and has just got an opportunity to go out to O.L. Reign. So let's hear from uh, Hege Risa now.
5: She moved to the US. She's playing for a club team there. She get the, the like I said uh, earlier, the playing time that is needed. And she has the experience. So the 45 minutes against Canada wasn't representative. So uh, and she like in the meeting with the group, she was great. So that's uh, that's why uh, she was picked for this.
0: And, you know, that's really difficult, isn't it? I, I understand what Hege Risa is saying there. She's really good with the group, as is Carly Telford, but you can't take three keepers in a squad of 18. So no. that's just tough. Someone is going to have to to miss out. And unfortunately, it's Carly. And, you know, we've spoken many times about her, her qualities. And it's just so unfortunate when you've got a player like Ellie Roebuck in such fantastic form um, and really coming into her own still so young they have to nurture that for the future.
7: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of taking three goalkeepers to tournaments anyway. I think, you know, um, I think it's difficult for the third choice keeper and I do think it, it almost not wastes a spot on the team because I'm not saying goalkeepers, you know, are not valuable because they, they truly are. They do a fantastic job. But I think obviously Ellie Roebuck is the player that will play, but potentially Karen bardsey the fact that You know, she's got the experience, you know, she is a great teammate teammate to have around. And she's one of those kind of players that you need in a tournament. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're putting together a team, the manager knows they're 11. They might change it back and forth, potentially, but they know they're 11. And then after that, it comes down to which players are going to be, you know, potentially the players off the bench. And then also which players are going to be good to be around the tournament because you're away for a long period of time. So you have to have good characters that are going to kind of, you know, pick people up when they need to be picked up. When we were at the World Cup in 2015, we had a great squad. And I think that's why we did so well, because we all valued each other. There was a lot of team psychology that went on behind the scenes that we all valued each other and knew how to get the best out of each other. And I'm hoping that this team can do that as well.
0: It's really good that there are five Olympians already that that went to 2012, because they can also bring this younger group a bit of experience, and although they're not going to be in the Olympic Village, which is such a shame, yeah. and they're not going to get the same kind of experience, I think as soon as they're on the plane and they're out there, you know, that the... the The opening ceremony, everything about it it, it is going to be fantastic and perhaps overwhelming for some of them, which is why it's important these experienced players are going to be there.
7: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when you look at the likes of Steph um, Halton, you look at Jill, you know, a lot of experience. Kim Little played in the last Olympics in 2012. So it does make a difference. I think I'm a big believer in breeding in young talent, but you still have to have these types of players in there as well that can help bed in the team because it's not an easy thing, regardless of whether there's opening ceremonies. It's still an Olympics and it's a big deal, you know. So hopefully the players can all gel together and enjoy it as well.
0: Well, we're going to hear from the players shortly, and they are all absolutely buzzing about going. That's for sure, and desperate to have a medal round their necks afterwards, and hopefully a gold one as well. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport Two. I'm Fakerothers. I'm alongside Leanne Sanderson, and coming up, as I say, we're going to hear from some of the players that did make the cut for Tokyo
8: Women's Football Weekly with Fakerothers on Talksport Two.
0: This is Women's Football on Talk Sport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker. Others, World Cup bronze medalist Leanne Sanderson is with me as well. And don't forget as ever, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the Talk Sport app so you can download it today. Uh, Now then, I was very lucky finally some in-person interviews and I was invited to the Botanical Gardens in Birmingham to speak to a number of the players who are lucky enough to be selected in Hege Risa's Team GB squad uh, wanted to find out how they felt about it let's start with England captain Steph Horton.
9: Yeah it's pretty surreal to be honest I think um, the first time was obviously unbelievable being able to represent Team GB in the London 2012 Olympics but this time I think um, yeah coming here today and the announcement it's, it makes it even more special so really proud and um, to be been selected, but also proud of my teammates as well.
0: What do you remember about
9: 2012? It was unreal. It was probably my favourite tournament, to be honest. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to play in World Cups and European Championships for my, for England, but um, to represent Team GB at a home Olympics was out of this world. I think um, you realise that obviously we are a team, but we're a team within the team to try and bring um, as many medals back and obviously, try and get the whole country behind us. And especially for that tournament for women's football, it was uh, probably a watershed moment in the development of how quick uh, we've developed over the last few years because of the interest that that tournament kind of sparked.
0: It's interesting you say that because I was just talking to Jill about that same kind of thing. And obviously because it's been such a strange 18 months you you had the low after the high of of the World Cup in 2019 as well and it's been so stop start and difficult that perhaps going into this the expectations are lower and and does that actually help in some ways?
9: Um, I don't think in terms of people's perceptions or expectations of us that's going to change the expectations that we have on ourselves I think we have some amazing players um, not Kira Walsh, George Samway Weaver just walked well past. Um, but yeah, I think for us as a team, we know what we have. We have some world-class individuals um, that have been put together to work together. And yeah, of course, we have to build that unity within the team. And that's going to take these next few weeks of preparation. But I'm confident if it's anything to go by 2012, we've, we've got that ability to do something special and capture the nation. And ultimately, for us as footballers, the aim is to win. And that's what we're going to be trying to do is trying to win as many games as we possibly can and hopefully medal. Great
0: to hear the thoughts of Captain Steph Horton there. And what about Sophie Ingle, though, the first Welsh woman to represent Team GB? Here's what she had to say.
10: think that I was going and then I wasn't. So I made sure I read it a few times, read it a few times. And then I remember texting my partner who was in work and then rang my mum. Um, and I was like, I think I'm in the GB squad. I've just had the email because it was um, early in the morning. And yeah, it was just, it was a weird feeling, to be honest. Um, obviously, really excited, but I didn't honestly expect to be chosen. So it was, a, it was a big surprise. I would just like to say I'm quite consistent, I feel, in my performances. And I'll do everything I can for the team. Um, I'd like to think I am a team player. And I don't know, maybe Hege's seen that from team performances at Chelsea. Um, obviously, I'm not sure if she's watched other games, but... Yeah, just, you know, consistent and just try and keep things simple. There's always pressure, I think, when you get chosen for such a big occasion, but I think it's, it's obviously an honour for, for me to represent Great Britain and, again, a Welsh person that hopefully I can then go on and get great experience from this um, these games in Tokyo and hopefully come back then and bring that experience back to Wales and hopefully then that will help us qualify.
0: Chelsea's Sophie Ingle there. Uh, Arsenal's Leo Williamson talked about the influence of Olympic gold medalist Hege Risa is going to have on this squad and also reflected on the absence of Arsenal teammate Jordan Nobbs.
6: Yeah, I think it's one of those also unique experiences where because none of us really thought we were going to be, could bank on being in the squad, um, which is obviously what makes it so different to a normal selection process. I think the the biggest thing is that everybody, you know, genuinely feels for, for the girls that aren't in. You know, in, in both ways, they want to be happy for us because we've all been trying to get to the same goal. But I just think there's a real understanding of, like, it's just gutting for those players. Um, and I'll be honest, it took this thing out of it for me a, a little bit. You know, the spark of finding out at the start is one heart, you know, is couldn't be happier and the other's, you know, literally broken in half. So I, I think it's... It's been really difficult, and it will be really difficult for those girls. I have no doubt. Um, but I just think it's it's almost funny, like in terms of the quality of the squad, how hard it was to get into the squad. Because I'm pretty sure the girls that have been left out, especially Jordan, would literally be starting in most people's teams, you know. And 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 now isn't even in the squad. And I just think that's you know what you have to focus on. We obviously have a job to do, and I think that that just shows the quality that we have, really, um, and and how you know. It's it's football. This is what happens, and it's just it's so cruel. Yeah, in the in the welcome meeting, told a, a lovely story. Like it's lovely. It's a fairy tale story, but it's actually what happened. And um Hege is very well from from the little knowledge I do have of of her and her personality. She's a very quiet person, very modest, very humble. Um, certainly doesn't. Yeah, you would never think that that she'd achieved as much as she had because um, she keeps it all close to her chest. And then to tell me she was standing on the halfway line. Um, Standing on the halfway line in a Olympic final jeering up the fans was, um, yeah, comical almost. Um, but yeah, to hear, hear what she's been through, to know how well supported we are, you know, it's just like, I, t- I just, you know, everything seems to be falling into place. That's how I always dreamed it would be. So yeah, hopefully that's an indication of what's to come. I just, you know, like when you're younger, something just seemed, this seems so unobtainable, you know. Um, and I think that's why I've always wanted it you know we always have a joke what would you rather win a world cup or you know go to an olympics I'm like an olympics it's just the biggest stage ever and to be there then like I say when I was younger I didn't really think of women's football as being an option being a route into the olympics I I genuinely used to think like what event triple jump javelin like what am I going to be good enough to go to to go to an olympics in so then To be there to witness it firsthand, you know, it's another one of those times when I really do appreciate what my parents have done for me and how supportive they've been for me. And not just talking about driving me places or or being there, but just the encouragement that was so subtle. You know, I've I've never done anything that I haven't chosen to do myself, but the influence that they've had on those decisions so subtly over the years. um, That's another one of those moments. You know, I've, I've got tickets for the, you know, my dad applying for those tickets, and I just I don't know. I appreciate those those things because it's yeah it's set me up well I suppose
0: what would you have picked if if, if, if women's football was not an option what would you have picked
6: Uh, I was good I was good at my 800 1500 metre running but it just looks like torture and waiting for a gun on the on the start line, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to go for a triathlon or something. I think in the end,
0: amazing to hear from Leah what she wanted to do when she was a, a child. Finally, Jill Scott, who has actually uh, been part of a Team GB squad before at the Olympics, such a popular member of the camp as well, hugely experienced, and she shared how excited she was to make her second Team GB squad.
8: Oh, I'm so so happy, so excited. Um, yeah, I think even seeing second Olympics is crazy. I think as a young I was into running as well so I used to watch a lot of the running on the TV and always watched Olympics and everything like that so to be playing your sport at an Olympics um, it's a dream come true and yeah, waiting for that call obviously nerve-wracking but um, I was just so happy when she said it was a yes. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing I think I look back at the players that were there um, Casey Stoney Rachel Brown, players like that, players I've always looked up to, Farrah Williams and yeah, I loved every minute of it we had an absolutely fantastic time we got, I remember the first three games we obviously got nine points from the first three games but I think a big learning from that tournament would be probably playing to the occasion a little bit um, then we hit Canada in the in the quarterfinals, which I won't be talking reign about that but suddenly it was over And that's a fine line, especially in tournaments. So I think that's a big learning going into this next one that we need to focus on the games and not get overwhelmed by the occasion, which can be easily
0: done because it's an Olympics. Great to hear from Jill Scott there as well. I have promised I'm going to go down to her coffee shop at some point when I'm in Manchester. We had a long chat about coffee after that conversation, which was brilliant. Uh, Really interesting to hear from her, from Steph Horton, Leah Williamson and Sophie Ingle as well. All very excited to be included in this squad heading over to Tokyo. Uh, this is Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2 with Faker Others and Leanne Sanderson. Next up, very exciting, we're going to be doing the live draw for the quarterfinals of the Women's FA Cup. Make sure you join us on the live stream on the Talksport YouTube channel.
2: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. We did the draw live for the Vitality Women's FA Cup quarterfinals on Friday the 28th of May. This is a replay of that draw.
0: Hello, you're listening and now watching Women's Football Weekly here on Talksport Two and on Talksport's YouTube channel as well. Welcome to everybody who's watching on Talksport's uh, Talk Facebook channel as well. We are going to be doing the Women's FA Cup quarterfinal draw live here from the news building in central London and I am delighted to say that four-time FA Cup winner Leanne Sanderson is with us as well. She's going to be drawing the balls. This is such an important competition Leanne as well and by the way the reason that we're doing this right at the end of the season which seems quite crazy doesn't it is because of the Covid delays that we've had and so the FA have decided that the conclusion of the competition is going to be held at the end of the year so this is for the quarterfinals which are going to be in September you've won this tournament four times now what's it like to lift this
7: amazing cup yeah it's fantastic I still remember my first one I was 17 years old is at Loftus Road against Charlton so it was hammering down rain and I remember it like it was yesterday but winning this competition it's what dreams are made of. It's what you grow up, you know, wanting to do, watching the FA Cup final on TV. And it's just fantastic now that the draws being done live, you know, on YouTube and Facebook and stuff like that, because, you know, when I was playing, it just used to be done behind closed doors and everybody kind of used to be waiting by their phones. Who we playing next? So it's fantastic that, you know, the draws being done live now like it
0: with us. Live and on Women's Football Weekly as well. We are the UK's, in case you didn't know and you're joining us on YouTube, we are the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football and we're absolutely delighted that the FA have allowed us to do such a prestigious draw as well. These are the balls, they're going in a bag very shortly. We're going to run through Leanne who is on each one. So, ball one is Birmingham City. Uh, Ball two, Brighton and Hove Albion. Ball three is Arsenal. Ball four, Charlton. Ball five, Manchester City. Six is Chelsea. Seven is Leicester. And eight is Tottenham.
7: So, what kind of match-ups are you hoping for? What are you thinking? Well, I think, you know, obviously, the big teams are going to want to play potentially against each other at this point of the competition, quarter you know, final, anything is possible, but teams like Cholton, you know, play, teams like that are gonna to want to play against a big team. Because at this moment of the competition, anything is possible and it's the FA Cup. So I'm hoping that, you know, today we draw some big games because I know, you know, Chelsea is still in it to win the treble, you know, Arsenal's still in it, so it's gonna be a fantastic draw. And of course the holders, Manchester City as well, who've had a fantastic season and perhaps lucky, unlucky to miss out on winning the FA WSL. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Manchester City have had a fantastic season as well, you know, missing out on Chelsea, but Chelsea have just been a formidable force, you know, and they just came a little bit, you know, fell short in the Champions League, but I fully expect them to come back next season and be back in there again because they're a fantastic team and, you know, it is a bit of a strange one that we're doing the FA Cup draw when the season's ended, but... I know the players are going to be really looking at this one and, and wanting to play back in the FA Cup again because it's such a prestigious tournament and one that I've won, been lucky enough to win four times with you know Arsenal, who we were a fantastic team and winning the quadruple in 2007 is still the best memory of my career and that was part of it as well, winning the FA Cup. Yeah, I bet it was. Are Manchester City going to want to avoid Chelsea and vice versa? I'd say so. I mean, I think at this moment in time, Chelsea they're the kind of team where they just don't care who they're playing against you know apart from if it's barcelona obviously in the champions league but barcelona a different entirety in itself but i think at this moment in time they probably will want to avoid each other because i think in the final you know we want big teams in the final we want a big game and where it's very competitive so you know i think they're probably going to want to avoid each other now but at the end of the day cfa cup and at this moment in time the league is so strong so competitive that any team can beat anyone on any given day so i think that's where the game's grown and where the game needs to be and of course, we've got two championship sides, although one is now not in the championship,
0: Leicester City, having been promoted to the FAWSL. But we've got Charlton as well, former winners of, of course. Fantastic that they're at this stage of the draw. Do you think they'll be
7: hoping for a big name or to draw each other, maybe? I think, you know, a team like Leicester with the backing that Emil Heskey's given them, you know, the the facilities they seem to have there, they look like a team that can compete in the WSL, you know, not just with the players that they have. They've got Remy Allen, you know, going back to a, you know, a local team playing there, doing very well. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I'd say Leicester probably at this moment in time, I don't know if they'd want to play against Charlton necessarily against each other because at this moment in time, they want to play against any team. They've been promoted, so they're going to have to play against these types of teams next season. So I think at this moment in time, any team, will want to play against each other. Maybe a Charlton probably wouldn't want to play a Manchester City or a Chelsea because, you know, at this moment in time, if players are only part-time, you cannot compete with full-time professional teams. You can try and the players can do as much as they can. You know, we saw Crystal Palace play against Arsenal the other week and, you know, it's difficult for them. It is. So, it's the FA Cup and any team can beat anyone on any given day and it's such an important tournament. And, of
0: course, Charlton now under the tutelage of Karen Hills after she left Tottenham and she's
7: done such an amazing job since, since she took over there, getting them to a quarter-final. Yeah, she's a fantastic manager. I played against Karen a lot of times when she was actually playing for Charlton when I played for Arsenal and actually bumped into her the other week and, you know, she's doing exceptionally well. I think she did a decent job at Tottenham and yeah. I think she was a bit hard done by how she kind of, you know, got, um, how it ended the way it did there. But it's great to see that she's back in a team pretty quickly and in a team that she used to play for and it's great they're in the quarter-final because I think tactically, you know, she has the awareness that can go anywhere. We will have uh, the Leicester boss,
0: Jonathan Morgan, joining us after the draw as well to react to everything, see who Leicester get. Leicester fans, I'm sure you've been tweeting in and messaging in and letting us know who you'd like to to pick in this draw. All of the fans out there as well. Shall we get on with it though, Leanne? Yeah, I'm excited. So what you need to do is put all those balls in that beautiful FA velvet bag, which we've become so accustomed to seeing. Give it a good shake around as well.
7: This is like a dream come true, this. Yeah, I bet. It's one thing playing in it, but it's something you grow up watching on TV. Amazing.
0: Well, listen, you know, no pressure or anything like that. No pressure, no pressure. You know, it's all riding (laughs) on you with picking the homes in a ways. (laughs) Okay, right. First and foremost, so show up so everybody knows the the balls are in the bag. Who is going to be the first drawn out? Number... Number five is the holders Manchester City as they of course beat Everton 3-1 in last year's final at Wembley uh, 14 months after the competition started and they made it to the quarterfinals this season after that 5-1 win over West Ham who are they going to draw? Number seven. Number seven is Leicester City, so we will be speaking to Jonathan Morgan, the manager of Leicester City, very shortly. He's up against the holders, that's a tough one isn't it for sure, but they've been promoted, we've seen what they can do. Wonderful, that is the first one, Uh, so next one. Number one. Number one is Birmingham City. They were winners in 2012, runners up in 2017 and they beat Southampton FC Women 3-2 in the fifth round to progress. Who are they playing though? Let's see. Number six. Number six. Number six are Chelsea. Uh, two-time winners, 2015 and 2018. Of course, beat Everton just, just last week. Um, so that is fantastic. Uh, for Birmingham, we'll play, we'll play Chelsea. Uh, what's the third round there? Number three. Number three, that's Arsenal, have won the trophy a Staggering 14 times. Amazing. Leanne won it four times with the Gunners yeah. as well. So they're going to be at home. Who are they going to be at home to? Number eight. Number eight is Tottenham Hotspur, another Ooh. North London derby. <laughs> Always tasty. What a great draw. Do you know what? I think we've, we've drawn something like that here on Women's Football Weekly before. Unbelievable. North London derby is the third tie. What completes it? So the final... Who are number two number two so that's Bryson and Hove Albion six nil win over Huddersfield in the fifth round and they had such a fantastic season didn't they 2021 under Hope Powell and beat Manchester United on the last day a record eight wins for them
7: and they will be playing number four
0: number four Charlton Athletic there we go. Fantastic. Brighton against Charlton is the final tie. A second half strike from Jess King, putting Charlton into the quarterfinals after a 1-0 victory over Blackburn Rovers. And of course, they won it, as I said, uh, back in 04-05 when the final was played at Upton Park. So that completes uh, the draw. Well, why don't we speak to the Leicester manager, uh, Jonathan Morgan? He joins us now. Jonathan, your reaction to that, to that tie?
1: Yeah, um, I must admit, I had a little chuckle to myself when um, we were drawn out to Man City. Um, I think that's the third year in a row now that we we've got them in a cup competition but um, no, actually fourth year in a row with the Continental Cup as well so we'll hopefully look to go one better this time and try and uh, get a victory and go through. but it'll be a tough challenge but again something we're relishing and something that we showed that I think we can step up to the mark like we did against Man U in the previous round.
0: Well, the good thing is you've got plenty of time to, to get the team together and and build for this as well. Of course, you know, what what are you doing at the moment? Pretty busy off season for you I'm expecting, bearing in mind your promotion.
1: Yeah, it's extremely busy at the minute. We we're working hard behind the scenes just sorting out the the playing the playing staff the playing side and the staff structure as well. Um, we want to come into the WSL competitive and we want to come in Obviously, knowing that we can compete with the best. So it's, it's interesting at the moment. Obviously, we've had some tough chats with players that have got us there, and um, we're now obviously talking to players that we're looking to try and bring in, and hopefully we'll, um, we'll soon be settled to get ready for pre season.
0: Fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, you can blame Leanne for the draw, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. I'm <afraid>. Cheers, Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll find her at some point this season. Uh, but anyway, I mean, very good luck to you, and good luck. We can't wait to see you in the FAWSL next season.
1: Thank you for that.
0: Take care. That was Jonathan Morgan there, uh, Leicester City Manager. Uh, Leanne Sanderson, it's been a pleasure. We, of course, are going to be back on uh, Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. So you can use the uh, TalkSport app if you'd like to, or just tune in your DAB radio and listen to the rest of the show. It, of course, is also available to download as a podcast. And we'll be recapping on those four fantastic quarterfinal draws for you very shortly.
3: That was the quarterfinal draw for the Vitality Women's FA Cup with ties to be played on the 29th
0: of September. Love that. An absolute privilege for us here on Women's Football Weekly to be able to host the quarterfinal draw for the Women's FA Cup. Exciting times come September. Good luck to all the teams involved. Uh, this is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. We are the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others, and alongside me is Leanne Sanderson. Uh, now then, last week, some interesting news because former Chelsea and England forward Anya Luko was unveiled as the first sporting director of Angel City FC, the new Los Angeles-based NWSL club. And last week, producer Flo caught up with her to talk about her exciting move.
3: Congratulations on the move. It's amazing news. And I've wanted to ask you, firstly, how it came about.
11: I met a guy called Ben Grossman uh, two years ago uh, in Paris when I was doing the World Cup working for Fox. And um, he is one of the owners um, of Angel City. And he contacted me um a little while ago now and said look you know I'm involved in this project we're going to do a, a big sort of search for a sporting director and um, you know I know from I know from our time speaking at Fox uh, that um, you know that's what you wanted to do and, and that's what you're doing now and uh, you know he w- wanted me to sort of be part of the interview process you know, I obviously was in a job at Aston Villa and had to speak to them about, you know, potentially being part of the, you know, the interview process, because it's such a such an incredible project that I felt that to not to not be part of that conversation would have been a missed opportunity. And then when I got speaking to Angel City and and just the incredible ownership group, you know, I'm talking people who I've been I've admired from a young age, you know, Serena Williams and. Mia Ham and, and Julie Fowdy and Abby Wambach and Billie Jean King. Like, it's just, it, the list is endless. And, and, you know, speaking to that group and speaking to Julie Ehrman, the, the, the CEO, it just really felt like I was aligned to this organization and aligned to what they're doing. Um, you know, really unapologetic about um, diversity and inclusion and, you know, being a purpose led organization. It's obviously female, female majority, female led. These are all things that, you know, I've really resonated with in my life. Um, and just it's just the right fit. There's a compatibility there that I think um, means that I, I think I'm going to thrive in this role.
3: Yeah, you mentioned the owners and that's certainly I think on this side of the world what caught a lot of attention. Have yeah. you had the chance to speak to any of those huge names personally since your appointment or in the in
11: the process leading up to it as well? Have I had to present to them? I had to present to them to get the job. That is that sounds (laughs) terrifying. (laughs) It was, it was. Um, but you know, it was also an opportunity, it was also a huge opportunity for for, for them to know about me, for them to understand if I was the right fit, for me to really be open and honest about how I see football, my life, my my challenges, you know, uh, some of the work that I've done beyond the pitch with women and girls. Um, Uh, you know in terms of breaking down barriers and all of those things so it it was really important for me to present to them um, and for me to hear from them about how that would fit Um, but it was scary definitely you know imagine a zoom call with all of those people (laughs) Um, but it was necessary because you know obviously they were they weren't just talking to me they were talking to a few people and um you know they needed to get the right person as well and i'm glad it was it was decided that it was me there's a lot of big US women's national team players who are from California. And
3: I think a lot of fans are making the obvious assumption that they might return to the state, Alex Morgan, Kristen Press. Have, ha, how, can you drop any hints or, or share any of the, 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 the excitement and recruitment and who might be coming to Angel City? Cause obviously it's a pretty exciting place to go and I'm sure loads of players would jump at the chance.
11: Well, I'm not going to drop any names. That's for sure. Uh, Flo, sorry about that. But what I <laughs> will What I will say is that um, one of the things that I know is really important is for players who come from the city to play for the club, for their hometown club. There's just a deeper connection to the badge that you just don't get anywhere else. Um, And that's something I've learned and seen throughout my football career is the players that are from the city really, you know, really, you know, connect with it in a different way, connect with the fans in a different way. Um, so that's definitely going to be something I'm, I'm going to consider in terms of players. But I think more broadly, um, it's about creating a team that's loved globally. Um, so it's creating a team that people can, you know, from all ends of the world can say, I'm an Angel City fan because I feel seen in that team. I have a player in the team that, you know, I can connect with. You know, I had the experience of signing Manami Ribucci for Villa And almost overnight, we had a ton of Japanese fans following her. That's amazing because you're engaging a Japanese audience that ordinarily would not even care if their player wasn't there. So those are the things that I I want to try and do um, in really touching different continents of the world by through player recruitment. Um, So locally, obviously locally with players who are from the city and an ownership group, um, there's I think 14 former national team players who are from California in the ownership group um, and reflecting that on the pitch but also reflecting that globally as well and really engaging with a global fan base is really important.
0: That was Any Aluko there speaking to producer Flo and really important what, what she's saying there and actually a bit of transfer news for you. Leanne Sanderson uh, with us, of course, here on Women's Football Weekly. Manu Rabucci has joined Arsenal after lots of rumours around her transfer, which is a big move for her.
7: Yeah, definitely. You know, she's a she's a massive player you know, for the Japanese national team and iconic over there. So the fact that, you know, I was surprised that she actually went to Aston Villa originally because not that they're not a big enough club, but the fact that they only just come into the league, you know, I thought that she would have gone to a team like an Arsenal or a Manchester City or a Chelsea earlier on. But, I mean, it's a great move, fantastic for her. And, you know, she's probably going to bring a lot of a, a higher fan base from Japan as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a fan base from England for Eni Aluko going out over to the States. I mean, what a move for her.
7: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Eni's played over in America. You know, she was over there for three or four years. We played over there together, not on the same team. And she did very well over there. So she's well respected. And um, the fact that she's, you know, she's a she's a qualified lawyer, She's got all of it. she's done a lot of hard work to get to this point and I think the fact that she was at Aston Villa for the year I know she probably would have wanted to stay there way longer, you know, it's a, a local team but at the same time an opportunity like this in LA is a massive opportunity and one that you'd want to take, I mean who wouldn't want to work with Serena Williams, you know, Natalie Portman the likes of people that are invested in that club yeah. so it's a fantastic opportunity for her and I wish her all the best.
0: Yep, it certainly certainly is and just another piece of housekeeping for you, Carla Ward has left Birmingham and been appointed Aston Villa boss which we kind of expected to to happen, but great news for her and we look forward to chatting to her in the new season as she takes uh, the helm at Aston Villa. Uh, now then, last week also saw the unveiling of the tickets and legacy programme for the 2022 Women's Euros in England. Over half a million of the tickets will be priced at £25 or less in a family of four. That's two adults and two children under 16 will be able to watch some of the world's best players from just £30, which is incredible. Uh, the aim is to set a new record attendance for the first game of the competition at the current record stands at 41,301 which was set back in 2013 between Germany and Norway and there are also hopes for a sellout crowd for the Euro 2022 final at Wembley uh, with hopes of smashing the stadium record for a women's match which still stands at 80,203 which was set during the 2012 Olympics in the final between USA and Japan. Uh, By the way, the tournament's legacy programme is also going to be offering 500,000 women and girls the opportunity to engage in football by 2024 it's such an important year coming up um, and I want to uh, bring you some audio after producer Flo caught up with Chris Bryant who's the head of tournament delivery uh, for the FA to find out a little bit more about the record-breaking targets that have been set
4: you know we think that the summer in 2022 is gearing up to be you know quite a special summer of sport uh, and the women's euros will play a a pivotal role in that you know we're going to have over 700,000 tickets to sell for the women's Euros, um, you know, across our 10 venues and and nine host cities. Uh, I mean, to put that into perspective, Holland, back in the last women's Euros in 2017, they sold 240,000 tickets and Holland made it all the way through to the final. So 700,000 tickets is quite an ambitious ask, but we think it's the right thing to do. Uh, You know, and we, we really want to see full stadia, great atmosphere at as many matches as we can, uh, and that's really the target that we've set ourselves.
3: How are uh, how are the the organised organisers going to be looking to really make it clear that England is hosting the Euros and it's a really big deal?
4: Yeah, no, I mean, you know we're really working, you know, really quite extensively with the with the host cities and the venues involved in this tournament. You know, so we. we we think we've got from some of the best stadia uh, and we're really working with the host cities to make sure that it's not just about the stadium, but the whole city feels part of hosting the events, you know, and that'll mean branding will go up around the city, you know, we'll have activations, you know, we're looking at how we can interact with fans, you know, be it fan marches, fan zones, you know, so all of those kind of big major event elements that you would see at the Women's World Cup that you might've seen at the Olympics or, or, you know, previous rugby World Cups, et cetera. You know, we really want to take some of the very best lessons from those events And have those throughout the the Women's Euros. And and that's what we expect to see, um, you know, and have a real festival of football and a festival of sport. Uh, you know, come summer 2022.
3: And you mentioned Holland. Obviously, that was an amazing Euros that they ended up winning, record attendances, and it really kick-started what's been a super successful period for for that country in football. And Serena Vigman's obviously joining as head coach of England. So I know you're obviously based more on the tournament side, but are you hoping that this tournament, with a bit of a new era for England, could really kick-start not just on the pitch, but off the pitch like it's done for Holland?
4: Yeah, no, definitely. Look, I mean, you know, any kind of organising any home major event, you always want the home team to do exceptionally well. And we really, you know, want to ensure from an FA perspective that we're giving the England team the best possible opportunity to do that. I think you're right. I think it is an incredibly exciting time for women's football more broadly and for the England team. You know, they've got quite a run in over the next few years. You know, we've got the Olympics this year. Um, You know, obviously we've got the Women's Euros and then the the World Cup the year after. So I think it is an incredibly exciting time for women's football, um, you know, and and everything that we're seeing, you know, as well from the the, the sort of Women's Super League as well that goes beyond that, you know, I think really is sort of all adding to hopefully what we think will be a a real sort of special moment for, for the game
0: excellent stuff there Chris Bryant uh, head of tournament delivery for the FA I mean I I absolutely cannot wait we've obviously got the Olympics first and foremost but this is all gearing up to next year's home Euros Leanne
7: yeah it's going to be fantastic you know I was fortunate enough to play at Wembley in front of 70,000 against Germany we unfortunately lost but it's a massive moment to be able to play you know especially at home and now everybody's behind women's football more now than ever I think so now is the time we have good enough players and the fans are fully behind it and I think the ticket prices being as low as they are I think it's fantastic so that you know working class people can come and everybody can come and i think sometimes in the men's game when we're, we're moving away from that because the tickets are so expensive whereas i think in the women's game it's good that um the ticket prices are still pretty low you know 25 pound 30 pound to go to an event i'm not quite sure what event you can go to in the world you know you can't even get on public transport for that now so <laughs> yeah. the fact that you can go to a game for that price is fantastic and i think it's going to be a really big deal it's such an exciting time i think The fact that there's been so many negative things happening in the world, you know, with COVID and and a pandemic, it's so great that we now have these tournaments because sports bring everybody together.
0: Yeah, it really, really does. As does the FA Cup. And just a quick draw recap after we did the FA Cup quarterfinal draw live here on Talk Sport 2. Manchester City will play Leicester City. Birmingham City will play Chelsea. Arsenal will play Tottenham Hotspur in a North London derby. And Brighton will face championship side Charlton Athletic. Uh, Right, Leanne Sanderson has been an absolute pleasure as it always is but particularly because you're in the studio with me thank you so much thank you Faye it's been amazing thanks for having me see you very very soon this of course is our last show of the season but we will be back ahead of the 2021-22 Barclays FAWSL season as well as dissecting what happened in Tokyo so we look forward to seeing you all then but a big thank you to Leanne Sanderson producer Flo all of Team GB for their time yesterday and of course all of you as ever for listening the whole of this season it's much appreciated don't forget if you Miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the Talk Sport app. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more.
2: Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quincecom slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.